0: I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu. To How do I suck this less at important jiu-jitsu? I guess you is less. It is Let's go! Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to the newest episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So, today... Uh, format is gonna stay the same as last week. I really uh, enjoyed doing that more question and answer format just kind of speaking on a topic for a little bit and and really focusing more on getting to interact with you guys. and I really enjoyed doing that. I thought it was a lot of fun. If you guys are watching video version of the podcast, you probably notice I'm sitting at a different place in the studio than normal but uh, yeah. No real reason for that. It's just how the cameras were set up. And I thought I would shoot from here with this background. Thought it might be cool. Um, But uh, also, off the top of my head, happy Thanksgiving. If you are listening to this episode right when it comes out, hopefully you are going to spend your day. You know, of course, your team should have some type of open map today. You know, you can't not have a Thanksgiving day open map. I feel like maybe some places are closed, but maybe first first thing in the morning you should be able to get an open mat and we always do 10 a.m uh it had not hq our 10 a.m open mat on you know really we do that 10 a.m for pretty much all holidays uh minus like christmas we'll do christmas eve but just in case you have to make a lunch it gives you time you can sneak in a couple minutes early be nice and warm Get an hour's worth of training, get some hard rounds in, and then still make it in time to shower. Be ready to leave. Take a thirty-minute drive somewhere. You know, it's, it's simple. That's like, that's. I'm pretty sure that's how the pilgrims intended uh, for us to 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 spend Thanksgiving. You know, before um, back when uh, the Americas were controlled by the wild turkey population and the pilgrims prevailed over the turkeys and that's why we celebrate thanksgiving i don't know for sure why we celebrate thanksgiving it's definitely the pilgrims it definitely has something to do with them but now that i'm thinking about it i don't think it has to do with them defeating the the wild turkeys that owned this land i don't think that's it um has something to do with thanksgiving and and friendship and maybe tonto i don't know um it's tough you'll you learn a lot of different things in school and then as you grow up you realize 99 of it's propaganda and so then you're like <laughs> i mean is any of this true is thanksgiving really even a thing but uh um hopefully you guys are you guys get to do something for thanksgiving if you are not from America, I'm pretty sure this is just a normal Thursday for you. I'm pretty sure it doesn't, pretty sure nothing else is going on. You're just enjoying a Thursday episode of the I Sucker Jiu Jitsu Show. So I won't make it all about American Thanksgiving. I know we have a lot of international guests who hate America and uh, don't want to hear about it. But um, I just have one, two, three, four, five. I have five questions today, not a ton. Um, but I really, like I said, I really love the, I really love doing the Q and a, uh, on the podcast. It's just a lot easier for me to kind of engage and kind of see what you guys want to hear. Uh, the only other way I can know what people want to hear is by what episodes get listens. And, uh, that's not ideal. I want to be able to know what people who actually enjoy the show, what people who actually consistently listen to the podcast, what they're wanting to hear. And um, so we're just doing more Q&A. Some of these questions came from uh, my Instagram. I put a put a post on Instagram and just ask for questions. And then some other ones came from just emails or uh, even some came from Facebook Messenger, which is probably the worst way to try to contact me. That is, I have thousands of un- I missed messages on Facebook Messenger, um, but we will go ahead. If you guys want to send in a question, you can always just send me an email for right now, josh at com. Very soon, we're going to have a link, and I'm just going to put it in the description of every Thursday episode, and you'll be able to just click on that link, and you'll be able to ask me anything, and um, that'll be even easier an easier way to engage on the show. But for right now, that is not what we have. Um, The best way is to send me an email. That is to make sure that I actually will get it. You can also send me a message on Instagram. You can send the I Suck a Jiu-Jitsu show Instagram page. It's starting to gain a lot of followers. It's definitely gaining more followers than I am, which is weird. But uh, yeah, you can also check out the I Suck a Jiu-Jitsu show Instagram page. Send us a message on there. And you can kind of ask about anything. I think that that's what is starting to happen more is I'm running out of topics to do really deep dives on. And I'm finding that doing just my perspective on certain things that people are dealing with, certain problems that they're having, uh, it's much easier for people to go like, yeah, I I really like this. This is what I want to hear. And also on that same note, when we're looking at, uh, we're looking at growth in Jiu-Jitsu. Even if you've listened to every episode of the I Jiu-Jitsu show, it hasn't been formulated to you specifically. It's been general. And as you get to ask specific questions for yourself, then we can be a little more specific. And I think it's just going to help people um, in a different perspective. And so I'm really happy that we're doing this. Hopefully people are happy to. Uh, I will know by if you guys are sending in questions. And so... Let's go ahead and get started on today's episode. First question was a really simple one. um, But I think that this is something that we can really dig into. And it's what was the worst mistake in my jujitsu journey? And I know I could give the black belt answer of, you know, God bless the broken roads that led me straight to you or whatever that song is um, in like, oh, yeah, there is no there is no mistakes. They, They got me to a certain point. But If efficiency and effectiveness is the goal, um, you know, getting good at jujitsu is the goal, I will say that there were definitely mistakes that I made that prevented me from getting to being as good as I am now. And uh, and this is something I see in general in jujitsu. People make this mistake so often. I try to talk about it on the show, uh, but I think it's important to reiterate. People will so often in jujitsu close off their minds to specific things um they will say i just remember like early on in the in jiu-jitsu for me i would have people talk about because jiu-jitsu is vastly different now um but early on and this is going to be hilarious to people that have only been training the last few years but people who have trained for 10-15 years i'm sure that they heard this too early on people would say things like straight ankle locks don't work and they would be like, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, straight ankle locks. They can't actually do any damage. And I remember, um, and I think we've talked about this on the show when I've had my dad on, uh, I remember a situation where he was competing and we he claims that I told him to not tap to straight ankle locks and that they didn't work, but I'm pretty sure we had both gotten the same advice from the same person. I don't know why he blames me for it, um, but maybe I did tell him. If I did tell him that straight ankle locks don't work and to not tap to them, I was... I was 15, you know? He took advice from a 15-year-old. That's a bad idea. Don't take advice from a 15-year-old. Anyway, you know, so it was really common to just close yourself off to leg locks. And uh, he competed at PANS one time, and he got caught in a straight ankle lock, and the dude was just (laughs) ripping on his leg. And he didn't tap, and he eventually won the match. So, yeah, I was right, Um, but, you know, 12 years later, he still has an ankle injury. And so, you know, he still walks with a limp from, you know, that guy that ripped on his foot. And so that was bad advice. And the reason that that was bad advice is because it was, one, it was wrong. And so that's a big reason it was bad advice. But two, it was like closing off to a certain idea. And you see this in jiu-jitsu so often. Now I think the way that people are doing it is choosing either no-gi or choosing either gi and then being like, yeah, I'm not going to do the other one. And to me, it's no different than people saying that leg locks don't work. And it's no different than the last debate, which was really common, which was self-defense versus sport. And um, people create all these different arguments. But the thing is, jiu-jitsu is different for a lot of different people and as you train jiu-jitsu for a long time you will actually become a different person and if you had closed yourself off to something it is going to be such a hard thing for your ego to then have to finally admit that you were wrong because you will have to admit that you're wrong if you did if you made jiu-jitsu out to be this one thing no it has to be no gi submission only no time limit matches or else it's not jiu-jitsu that's stupid When you start to do that, you you miss out on so much of the beauty of jujitsu when you only think jujitsu is in the gi because that's what's traditional. You miss out on so much of the beauty of jujitsu. To me, being able to apply my jiu-jitsu to any situation is something that is incredibly important to me now. And so I don't I really try my best to to not write off any style of jujitsu or any coach. And I even look now. There are so many coaches that, that I had written off because uh, an upper belt told me like, oh, yeah, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But the truth is most likely that upper belt didn't know what he was talking about. Or even a famous jujitsu personality said, yeah, this guy's an idiot. And then you just have to accept, yeah, this guy's an idiot. I don't, I don't listen to him. But even if he's 90% wrong, but the 10% that he has is super valuable, you do yourself a disservice by saying, no, I'm going to completely write this guy off. I don't listen to anything he says. You know, this coach, this, this other person told me to write him off. And I think that I did that early on. I would write certain things off in jiu-jitsu, certain techniques, certain guards, certain ways to do jiu-jitsu, certain ideas around jiu-jitsu. And now as I've come back, I've gone, you know, even if I don't agree with that 100%, Even if I only agree with that a couple percent, sometimes I learn so much valuable stuff in those couple percent. Um, You know, I talked to you guys uh, a lot. I've mentioned quite a few times now how much value I have gotten out of getting to learn from Henry Akins and how much it has helped my jujitsu. But if you talk to most competitors that are at adult black belt, they will tell you like, oh, well. Who is he produced as a competitor? Or they'll try to, you know, have some argument about, you know, anti him. And the problem is you're just writing yourself off, writing this guy off because somebody else told you to a couple of years ago, right? And, you know, when I got to actually experience and feel this dude's jujitsu, I was like, oh, my gosh, how have I not been learning from him over the last few years? How have I not been learning from him forever, what he has to offer, you know, we just did the Kenny Florian interview. Who did Kenny Florian bring up as one of the biggest influences of his ideas on jiu-jitsu it was Henry Aikens. And so often people want to write off other people. And it's just this common thing in jiu-jitsu. And I don't really know where, I, I guess I think I know where it comes from. I think it comes from this idea that we all feel the need to be 100% right right now. And then, like, there can't be any compromise, like, no, I know and I understand right now. And you see this, I bring this up in politics all the time. You see so many people that in 2004 had these really strong opinions about certain things. And then, you know, 14 years, 16 years later, they go, wow, I was wrong about that. Like, that was, that was a not a good opinion. Um, and they, they see that now, but it's because they're so far enough removed. They got to see what the result was, but at the time they were so sure of themselves. And then there's this social pressure that if you don't, you aren't sure of yourself right now, you're an idiot. You know, oh, you don't care about society. You don't have a strong opinion about this. like, yeah, maybe we don't know. There are really intelligent people that think one way and really intelligent people that think the other. And in jujitsu, that is how it is. There are really smart people thinking about jujitsu as self-defense and phenomenal coaches and, and people that if they decided to compete would probably be pretty good competitors. But so many competitors write them off because they're like, well, I just don't like the buzzword of self-defense. I mean, it wasn't long ago be- since nobody believed that jujitsu concept was a thing and it was all about small details and, and techniques and that was what was pushed for years and years. And now... Jujitsu concept is something that people just accept, and I post videos on YouTube now, and a lot of people are just so excited that they're taught in concept. And there are still a lot of people that question my sexuality and and comment that stuff too, but um, you know, I I assume those aren't jujitsu people. I assume that's just the YouTube algorithm still not knowing who I uh, who I'm what audience I'm trying to get to, um, but. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they're right. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on. So like the, the short answer to that is my worst mistake in my jujitsu journey is writing myself or writing off anything, is assuming that I was intelligent or that I was enlightened as a blue belt or as a white belt or as a purple belt or as even a brown belt. And now as a black belt, that's why I never ins- assume that I am enlightened because I have been wrong so many times. And every five years I can look back and I could go, man, that guy five years ago was an idiot. Why would I assume that with me being better at learning now that I won't assume that five years from now, you know, I'm at 15 years training that I won't at 20 years be like, oh, no, I was totally wrong about that stuff. Right. And so that's why I stopped being married to these ideas is because I had just been wrong so many times that I realized that's like part of getting good at this is is being wrong and being okay with it and then learning to change course and so that is that is for sure for me the worst mistake that I've ever made in my jiu-jitsu journey and I've made it a million times. Um, I loved this question. Um, this was from shout out Bionic Rob. If you guys have not listened to the Rob Hanshi interview, uh, he's one of my black belts that came back from jujitsu, came back to jujitsu after double hip replacement. Um, He was a brown belt when he got it and then came back and then eventually got to black belt. And um, he asks, how do you evaluate your own progression without having to ask your coach? And I think that this is a really good question because so many people, they act like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing by just walking up to their coach at the end of class and being like, hey, coach, what should I be working on? and Your coach may have an answer, but if you have a bigger gym, um, even if, man, if your coach has more than 20 students on the mat, how do you expect them to be able to answer that question? And even if you rolled with your coach and then he just beat you down in that one five minute round, how do you expect him to be able to answer that question? Um, Most of the time, you have to be the one to answer that question. I can't just roll with somebody once and then be like, oh yeah, you're not doing this. Um, and if you just did this, you would be able to beat me. You know, it's, it doesn't work like that. There are so many little things that you need to do in order to be good. Now, this is, I think the problem is most people, they don't begin with the end in mind. And so when we're looking at our own progression, one of the easiest things are, is saying like, Hey, I specifically want to get better at dot, dot, dot. I want to get better at half guard. I want to get better at sweeping from half guard. I'm, I'm terrible at this. I have no guard, and I, I find myself in half guard a lot. I want to get better at this. And so what you do then is you can then start positional sparring that position. You're going to start to spar half guard more. What will happen if you start to spar half guard more is you will notice yourself getting better. You will start to notice your own progression. But here is what most people do. They roll live all the time. And they don't have a focus when they're rolling. There's Again, I don't think there's anything wrong with rolling live if you can figure out a way to have a focus and work that focus in your live rounds. But most people don't have a focus, and they just roll live. And so then they're doing all these rounds of rolling live, and then you're just looking at each guy on the mat, and you're going, okay, I lost to him, I lost to him, I lost to him, I beat him. And then two weeks later, you're still losing to the same guys, and you're still beating the exact same guys. And then a year later, most of us are still losing to the same guys and still beating the exact same guys. And so this creates this problem. Am I getting better? I don't think you'll ever be able to tell that way. And I don't think you'll ever be able to tell by just asking your partners. You know, because it's tough. Everybody's getting better. If you're training with those guys consistently, they're on the mat too. They're putting in time too. And so how do you – where is the measuring stick? I think the measuring stick is in individual focus. It is so much easier for me if I'm only focused on guard passing, and that's all I'm working for six months, to be able to notice, wow, I used to not be able to pass guards, and now I can pass people's guards, or I was getting submitted a bunch against this guy, and I'm not getting submitted when I'm on top. I bought the chest over chest seminar and actually two seminars in one, only at simplifyingjujitsu.com. I purchased that seminar and Josh taught me this two distances to keep you from ever being swept or submitted. And it made such a difference for you. And so you stopped getting swept and submitted. And even though you're not passing, it's very easy for you to identify you know, hey I'm getting killed by this guy from everywhere else he's you know two belt levels ahead of me when he's on top he just mauls me when I'm in any other position he just mauls me but when I'm on top of him I can survive and you can note that a lot easier if you have a focus but if you're just rolling to roll if you have no thing that you are trying to get better at you how do you ever know if it's working how do you ever know if you're getting better at it um back to what I've been learning from Henry Aikens is this idea of weight distribution and and, it's weight distribution and connection. They go together. Um, But this concept of weight distribution and how to apply it and why to apply it, um, if I had just learned that and then just kept doing jujitsu how I have, most likely I wouldn't really even be able to identify if I was using it. But what I did instead was like the last three or four months, all I've focused on is am I applying my weight? No. What's keeping me from applying my weight? Okay. Am I at the right distance? No. What's keeping me from that right distance? How do I apply weight to that so I can beat it? And asking myself those questions over and over and over again has allowed me to actually identify I am definitely getting better at this idea, right? That's not even a position. It's just a broad idea, but I'm able to focus on it constantly to get on top. And then when I'm on bottom, I can even ask the question, how do I keep this guy out of the distance? How do I keep his weight off of me, right? And so um, you know, just kind of immersing myself in that idea has let me progress so much. And then it's very easy to evaluate. And it's not built on like, oh, am I beating these guys or am I not beating these guys? I win most rounds that I do. And so how would I ever be able to judge my own progression if I win every round? And then I'm going like, well, I always beat these guys, and I'm still beating them. I guess I'm getting better. How does, how does that make sense? But if I actually have a focus and I say, you know, and it's not, honestly, it's not even am I beating? I probably started beating less guys when I started to apply this weight distribution because I was focused on the idea. I was focused on actually getting good at that idea. And now that I'm doing that, I'm able to say to myself, like, wow, I am getting better at this. It's very obvious that I'm applying my weight more. People are complaining about my weight more. I've also gained a little bit of dad weight, if I'm being honest with you guys. But um, you know, it's just having a focus. That is my answer to evaluating your own progression is it's almost impossible unless you have something you're focused on. Uh, it's too hard to look at jiu as a whole. You break it down into smaller portions, and then that's what you focus on getting better at, uh, in my opinion. Next, let's go to, oh gosh, dieting through Thanksgiving slash the holidays. I'm going to be honest with you guys. My diet has not been the best. I think I gave you guys some deep detail about that. I did a, a 20 questions episode right before I had my son, and I, I was telling you guys how bad my diet had been. It's only gotten worse at this point. And so I don't have, I can't say, do as I do on this, but there have been a lot of times that I have had to diet through the holidays and keep really consistent. And some things that really are helpful for me, one is I will actually enjoy that holiday. A lot of times, like I will eat on Thanksgiving. Um, even when, you know, I have a tournament two or three weeks after that one day usually is not that big of a deal. The reason that dieting on the holidays is so hard for most of us is like you go you go October 31st, which is Halloween, and you eat a bunch of candy. And then you're like, man, Thanksgiving's in just a couple weeks. Why get back on the diet? I'm going to eat bad on Thanksgiving. And then you subtly eat bad until Thanksgiving. And then you come home with all kinds of extra pies and desserts from Thanksgiving. And then you eat those pies all the way till you have your first Christmas party on December 15th. And then your next Christmas party on December 22nd. And then the four Christmas parties with all your family. And you're eating dessert on those. And then you celebrate New Year's, same exact thing. And so it's when the holidays, when your holiday diet is October 31st to December 31st, and it's just terrible. And then it takes weeks to even get back on any type of diet in January when that happens. So a simple hack is you take the days, you schedule the days that you're going to eat a little worse or even eat absolutely terrible where you and your family's looking at you and realizing like, man, he's always in shape but he seems to have an eating disorder. He seems to either be gorging himself or starving himself all the time. Um, But you know what? Show me anybody that has a healthy relationship with food. You know what I'm saying? The answer to Thanksgiving diet, holiday diet, it's impossible. Just give up. Just eat as much food as you can and be really, really heavy and then dominate the heavier weight classes. Um, No, I'm just joking. Don't do that. Uh, I just think like, if you plan stuff out a little more, it makes it so much easier. Uh, it makes it so much easier to be able to diet, and it gives you something to look forward to, right? If you've been on your diet really consistently and you've been looking forward to Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving meal is so much more enjoyable. And then you go back. You know, you get back on, and you know, like, this is how I'm going to get back on. Um, but, yeah, random, random thoughts. Um, we'll go two questions left. How to make little investments into yourself now, pre-New Year's, to take yourself to the next level. So this is something I've been thinking about um, for myself a lot, and you know, I've really been thinking about in um, the different hobbies slash businesses that I have, and it's kind of this, uh, you know, I, we had hinted at it on the last question, or two questions ago, but you begin with the end in mind. Um I don't really think about what I'm going to be January 1st, right? I don't really focus on that as much for right now because it's um, you know, it's mid-November at this point. That's six weeks away. Um, I think about in this time, especially because I don't know how things work for everybody else, but around the holidays and stuff, things really slow down for me. Um, and, you know, it's just less to do, there's less business being done. There are less tournaments being done. There's just less going on. Um, and so something that I like to do in this time is try to set myself up for January 1st. But you don't really know January 1st until you think about January 1st, 2025, right? You think about the end of the year, Um If you're, you know, if you look at things like I do, this is just how I like to look at things. Um, I like to do like yearly uh, with a lot of my my thoughts, right? And so my little investments that I make to myself now is kind of planning. What am I going to need to do at the beginning of this year to really set myself up? One, I don't want to be, you know, I don't really do New Year's resolutions very much, but if I do, if that's something that you like, I wouldn't figure them out on December 31st. I would try to start to think of them now. Honestly, for me, I've been trying to think of them weeks and weeks ago. Uh, This is like why I'm changing the format of the podcast. There is a a more grand plan and more grand idea that I'll share with you guys eventually. But I'm just setting myself up for that grand plan and grand idea. But I only know that because I know where I want to be at the end of 2024, right? I've tried to look at what is my end goal here? Where do I want to be jujitsu wise? Where do I want to be competitively? Where do I want to be business wise? And, And then those can break down even more. What does that even mean? Okay, well, what competitions do I want to have competed in? How am I going to focus on them and make sure that I win these competitions? What things are keeping me from winning these competitions? Last year, something big we talked about for me was i wanted to get in the habit of flexibility and i really really up until my son was born and he ruined everything i really did stay incredibly consistent on a stretching routine and i'm still doing it but it's just i can tell that it's nowhere near the the level that it was at and you know my flexibility is nowhere near the level that it was at um but you know doing that i think helped me stay way healthier this year as a competitor and that was because In November last year, I was looking at what I had done and I was looking at the injuries that I had and I was saying, okay, well, at the end of 2023, I don't want to be dealing with that stuff anymore. What could I be setting myself up for now to do that? And so that is how I look at it with every aspect of life. You know, if you're a school owner, how many members do we want at the end of next year? You know, well, what do we want to be making? What do we want to, you know, what facility do we want to be able to grow into? What, How much is that going to cost? And you can break these things down over a really long period, but then you kind of get this bonus time in the year a lot of times for most of us um, where things like from Thanksgiving to New Year's, things just slow down so much that it almost sets you up to, if you're focused right now and you just don't go, okay, well, things are slowing down. I'm just going to quit everything. You go, hey, I'm going to stay as consistent as I can, and I'm going to set up a plan. So then by the time January 1st comes, I'm already, I'm already going on the routine that I want to have, and I'm already you know, trucking forward on all this stuff. And so that's like, to me, the biggest investments you could be making in yourself right now are what is your end goal of the end of next year? What could you set yourself up? How could you set yourself up to get there? And then, as always, investments in yourself like, you could read some books about it. You could watch some YouTube videos about it. Um, there's just so much you could do to help yourself, set yourself up for for that end of the year. Um, and yeah, I think that that's kind of my main my main thoughts on on investments into yourself pre New Year's are what it, where do you want to be, how do you break it down, and then from that, how do you set yourself up, especially habits and systems wise, to be able to be there, right? If it's as simple as you want to get your blue belt by the end of next year, but you don't really have control of that a lot of times. It's like your coach's discretion. And so maybe you just say, I want to be blue belt skill-wise in at least my own eyes by the end of next year. How do I do that? Well, we've talked about it. You break it down by position. Are there positions that you are a blue belt at? Okay, well, we don't worry about those right now. Are there positions you're not blue belt at? Maybe you should focus on those. You could break them down. You could say, okay, well, each, you know, I get to train four days a week and I really need to make sure that I am better at escaping side control. I've been stuck there forever. So one day a week, every single round that you do, you start in bottom side control. Do it for the entire year. I guarantee you, not only will you probably be a blue belt at it, you'll probably be a very good blue belt at it by the end of next year. And you do this by looking at the big idea and breaking it down into as small pieces as you can. Um, I think that's going to be huge for most people uh, to just start to do is, you know, like all that consistency and, um, and stuff that we talk about on the podcast. It only matters if you're going consistently towards something, right? Showing up just to show up can be helpful but it's nowhere near as helpful as showing up with a focus and making sure you're consistent with that focus. Um, And that focus is usually a small focus that comes from a bigger focus or a bigger goal. And so I would say if you're looking for something to invest in yourself now, you should be asking yourself, where do you wanna be? Who do you wanna be? And then breaking it down from there. Let's go into last round. I really loved this, or last round, last question i'm about to teach class so i guess i'm in jujitsu mode um so this is from this is from adam one of the biggest i suck at Jiu-Jitsu show listeners um biggest i suck at jujitsu show fans huge over the top one time i think on one of the vlogs we did it was like maybe at the watson martial arts one he and another adam were partnered together and I pointed out, like, these are the two biggest I Sucker Jiu Show fans. And we actually made them fight to the death. And one of them died. And so I'm just joking, we didn't do that. But uh, they really are two of the biggest I Sucker Jiu Show fans. And so um, I got these, got a message from one of them. And it's about competition. And this is such a common question. Um, so I can roll for five to six minutes straight, five minute rounds during an open mat without a break and feel energized and ready for another round. But during competitions, I'm dead and lightheaded after two rounds with a break in between matches. What causes that and how do I fix that? Just for some added context, I do not cut weight and I do go in well hydrated. So, uh, and then also more context on this. I know this guy and I know that he's also in good shape. And so there are, pe- there are people that are like, yeah, that, that's a question that I have too. I come in in good shape. I can train really hard, I can do a bunch of rounds, and then I can't do more than one or two rounds in the competition. I'm just absolutely dead. Well, I would look at this, trying to think of when, because there was a time that I really struggled with this. I want to say it was purple belt for me. And um, it was just when I started to get a little older, and I think I started to actually gain a little bit more muscle to, to be able to force stuff a little bit more. And I also started to focus my game a little bit more. And I would say the biggest mistake that I was making, um, at this for me, and we're going to we dissect this a little bit, make it make a little more sense. But the biggest mistake that I was making is I was breaking, um, I was like trying to take my jujitsu and define it as, all right, I'm a knee cut guy and I'm a triangle guy. These are the only two things that I do. And I would almost get some tunnel vision and I would try to force those things. And sometimes it would work really well. And um, those were the things that were available and I would crush guys. But then other times I would fight guys that I knew I was better than, and I would gas really hard against them, even if I would win the match, but it was because I got so focused on certain things. And what happens for most of us is we will over grip and over fight certain things. And we almost like how I would explain it is we roll differently in the tournament than we do in the gym. And um, how a lot of people hear that is, oh, so I should roll every round in the gym like I'm trying to win the tournament. And it's like, no, it's the opposite of that. You should learn what you're doing in the gym that allows you to roll for five or six rounds, right? That is your answer to how you get better at tournament at competition and how you get better at not losing your energy in competition. What's happening is because it's such a stressful environment, you're going harder. And this is, like I said, this happened to me a long time at Purple Ball. It took me so long to figure this out. I would say I didn't actually completely figure it out until brown belt. And um, now if you like, if you roll with me, people always will joke like that was the kindest beating I've ever taken, right? That was like the softest beating I've ever taken. Um, My jujitsu is not very like strength is not a huge requirement for the jujitsu that I like to do. It's nice to have strength. I will use strength when I need to use it, but I try to use my jujitsu technique way more. And I did that for a while before ever realizing I should be rolling like that in the gym because what I would or in the tournament, then what I would do is I would roll like that in, at the gym, and I would go to compete. And then again, I would get too focused on one or two things. And I would use way too much energy. And I would waste my energy trying to force what was there instead of take what is there. And Or force something to happen instead of take what is there. And um, how I look at this now is, like, I remember being a brown belt. I remember calling my dad after a tournament and being like, Dad, I actually, and I fought some tough guys. I think I had two matches, and I was like, I rolled without strength. And it was, like, one of the most dominant performances I had ever had. And I was so excited about it because I was like, I could have been doing this the whole time. I just get so focused on, no, 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 I've got to make stuff happen. I've got to make what I want to happen happen. And um, I was wasting so much energy. And when I started to understand, like, I can roll forever in the gym because I roll smoothly. Then I started to focus on the question stopped being, how do I not get tired? The question started being, you know, like, oh, I know why I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired because I'm not rolling smoothly. So then the question becomes, How do I roll more smoothly in competition? How do I take what I do in the gym and apply it to competition? One, you be mindful in the gym. I know it's so hard because the fun part about jujitsu is you almost don't have to be mindful. But if you just make little notes of what do my hands do when I'm sitting in guard and we're at the gym and I'm relaxed, right? What am I, you know, how am I breathing, when I am at the gym and I'm relaxed and I'm doing rounds with the guy I love doing rounds with who a lot of times is a tougher round than the person you're actually competing against. But it just is such a harder fight because it's competition. You get so focused on the competition aspect. And if you can solve that problem for yourself, you will start to get, have like endless co- cardio and competition. I remember being this purple belt and getting so frustrated. because I'm like these guys that I'm competing against Some of them have had four matches today, and they don't even look like they're breathing heavy. They must be in great shape. But no, that's not it. Nobody can sprint for four or five-minute rounds. Nobody can. As fast as they can, nobody can do that. It's that they weren't sprinting. It's that they were only doing the amount of strength that was necessary. They were only using the amount of athleticism that was necessary to accomplish the jiu-jitsu goals, right? And so um, as a competitor, learning to be more smooth, be more like you are in the gym, and then to do that, you have to be mindful of how you are in the gym. What am I doing in the gym that makes me more relaxed? And then you start to make competition like it is at the gym, right? Instead of like, for me, I don't, I used to do this all the time. I used to try to visualize myself in the tournament while I was at the gym. And like really good guys have given me that advice. Didn't help me. It, it didn't help me at all, honestly. What I started to do instead was I started to visualize myself being at the gym while I was at the tournament and saying, okay, who is that guy? How do I get that guy to come out? We always joke. At our team, uh, at our gym, when we will have a little area where we'll all warm up, put our bags at, we'll always set our bags down, and one of us will say, All right, this area is Granite City, right? We can be anywhere in the country. We'll say, This area right here is Granite City. This, we can be ourselves here. We're gonna focus, we're gonna get ourselves to the jiu jitsu that we are good at, at at the gym. And that's like, you know, you're not going to perform better than you can at the gym um In the competition, you're only going to be able to make yourself perform worse than that. And so, what you try to do is be as consistent and, and as focused as you are in the gym and just let that jujitsu flow. And one of the best ways to do that, don't get too obsessed with making a certain thing happen. When you roll with that tough training partner, most likely you're not saying, I have to knee cut, I have to triangle. Most likely, you're just letting the jujitsu happen. And then when the knee cut's there, you hit it, right? When the triangle's there, you hit it. And so that's not to say you don't do anything. You know, you don't just stop and wait. It's just to say you fight like you normally would at the gym. And I really think for most people, that will fix that big adrenaline dump. Other little thoughts. I'm a really big uh, uh, believer in Wim Hof breathing an hour and a half before you compete. Um, There is a... Uh, an app you can use, or just, or just on YouTube, you type in Wim Hof breathing, it's like three guided rounds of it. And you do that one time before competing a, an hour and a half out. And I would make sure to do it a little bit before um, just to, you know, like weeks out to know what you're doing. Uh, man, that makes such a difference. It will actually cause you to have anxiety, you'll be in the middle of the breaths. And you'll be like, Josh, I hate this. This is so stupid. I shouldn't be doing this and that's what you want to get out of you. That's the uh, the adrenaline dump that you kind of force on yourself and you're just way more controlled with it. That will make a big difference. If you're not warming up, you should absolutely be sweaty. Um, I mean you can try it tonight. If you go in cold to your gym and you just roll with your hardest round first, it will ruin all the training you have for the rest of the night. You will be so you it will be so hard to do anything. And um, that is because you're not warm and it's so hard when you are cold to go really hard. Um, It's just like, you don't flow as well. You're not as smooth and you'll wear yourself out. So that's my other thing. Um, But most likely for most people, it's just that you're trying to make the tournament something different. And the more you can make it exactly what it is in the gym and make your jujitsu just be the same no matter where you're at, the better it's going to be for you, the more cardio you're going to have. And then you'll eventually be one of those guys who finishes your match and you're not breathing heavy, right? Because you only applied the amount of strength and the amount of intensity that is necessary to get that win um, and to make your jiu-jitsu work. And so that is all I have for you. Um, hope you guys liked this one. Hope you guys enjoyed the QA format. If you have any questions, send me an email, josh at Be sure to check out my two chest over chest seminars for the price of one at simplifyingjujitsu.com. I'll link it in the description. And um, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you guys check out if you have if we have any wrestlers. Um, you will absolutely love to tune in to next Tuesday's episode. Finally got an in-person podcast going again. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I got to, to talk to two of my students that wrestled their whole lives. And, um, we have a really fun conversation about growing up wrestling, transitioning into jujitsu, kind of taking you know, learning a different aspect of grappling. And so if you are somebody who is an ex-wrestler or, you know, an ex-wrestler, I promise you, you're going to want to tune into that one. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I hope that it helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day guys.